Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Bueno. I'm a psychotherapist, teacher, consultant, and most importantly, a wounded healer, living and working in Chicago, Illinois. And I'm your host, Anne Remy. I'm a counseling psychotherapist, yoga teacher, and trauma specialist living in Brighton, UK. On this show, we interview folks in a variety of healing professions, and we discuss the intersectional journey of healing self while caring for others. But we're not just focused on individual healing, but also healing on the collective level, from white supremacy, late-stage capitalism, and the patriarchy. Thanks for joining us. Hello, Sarah. Hello, Anne. It's still my birthday month. Yay. Oh, yay. (laughs) (laughs) I really do get on board with this. I know. I know. I love it. Hopefully listeners do too. Why wouldn't they? Right? Yeah. You all deserve a birthday month. Everyone deserves a birthday Everyone. month. Then we can share. But especially our listeners, they deserve it the most. You're right. And do you know what? what? If you want to give someone a present for their birthday or you want to request something for your birthday. Wow. That was, that was a good one, right? That was good. You could go to tinyurl.com slash merch and buy the gift of your dreams. <laughs> Absolutely. Not to oversell it or anything. Right. If you want to give Sarah something for her birthday, you can go to patreon.com slash convos with a wounded healer. That was good, too. That was good. (laughs) And support us on Patreon and get access to all of the cool side conversations that we're having throughout the year. Damn straight. And now, Sarah, what did you think about Julieta? So I am a woman in perimenopause. And it's funny. Congratulations. Think, well, is that what we say? It feels like you've graduated into the next phase. So yes, yes. It, it's definitely we're crossing from matron to crone for sure. And one of my best friends, Tanis, she and I were texting as I was listening to it. And mm-hmm. she was complaining about some perimenopause symptoms and And why aren't people talking about this? And Mm -hmm. I said, well, let me give you a sneak preview of the podcast. And so I sent her the link of the recording. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm going to send this to all my friends. (laughs) So, Julieta, you have already made somebody very happy before you've listened to this. And I loved the reframe, you Mm. know, of like our hormones are not doing terrible things to us. Mm -hmm. I love the idea that we're not supposed to feel the same way every day, the freedom Mm -hmm. that's in that. I loved like the realizations that you kept having. Like this felt like a really wonderful, important conversation that I think needs to be had more for all uterus having people. Yeah. I. So I have found myself over the years, I've had no end of, of hormone struggles, right? And I'm just real pissed that I'm in my mid-30s and I'm only like just figuring it out. And that's because research does not focus on women and people who have uteruses, uteri. Uteri? I don't know. Uteruses? I'm calling it uteri. Uteruses. I like uteri. Okay. (laughs) Somebody can correct us and leave us a review and correct us. So I'm pretty pissed that I'm just figuring it out and I am not yet perimenopausal, but it's, you know, I can see it. Yep. I can see it in the future. Yep. And so I've actually had a lot of conversations with people, and I think Shay and I touched on this in our episode, mm-hmm. about hormones as well and, and how important it is to, to get to know them and yeah. to understand that they're not trying to fight you. Right. Right? Like, 
We exist in a capitalist society that expects us to be on 24 hours a day, which messes up our natural hormone function. And then we expect our hormones to, to function properly for capitalism, not properly for life. Right. And I think that, you know, Juliet's approach and just bringing that compassion back to yourself and, and what goes on and how all these different phases, especially for women and in, in people who have uteri, uteruses. <laughs> can be really nice. Yeah. They might not be comfortable, but it does represent something. Mm -hmm. And I want to shout out a really amazing book. I'm going to Google it right now so that I can make sure to get the author's name. It's called What Fresh Hell Is This? <laughs> yes. What, a what great Fresh title. Hell Is This? Perimenopause, Menopause, and Other Indignities and You by Heather Karina. And I got to meet Heather recently. My friend Tristan Terramino wrote a memoir and I went to the opening reading of that. Tristan was a former podcast guest. And Heather was there and I just had to tell them like, your book is so amazing. And it's not a book that you read cover to cover. It's more of like a reference guide, mm. but it is thick and it is juicy and it has literally everything that you want to know. So if you listen to this episode and you're like, where can I find more information? I mean, obviously, Julieta. Yeah. And I would reference what fresh hell is this? I'm going to look that up. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I have become strangely passionate about because I've seen women older than me going through some bullshit mm -hmm. that they shouldn't have had to have gone through. Mm -hmm. And I think my own experiences of just feeling completely clueless with hormone fluctuations and, and everything that goes with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really changed the way, you know, that I look at how I take care of my body. And I'm not just doing it for the now, I'm doing it for the future, right? Yep. And it feels weird to be 36 and going, I want to have a good menopause. But like, yeah, it's not. It's important to do. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm literally looking at my health right now. I had a bit of a, a revelation when I was just on vacation and like, wait a minute, I can't walk as much as I want to walk right now. And it's mm. not it's because I've not really prioritized my health mm -hmm. since the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. I was like comfort first and I've been comfort first for almost four years now. And unfortunately, my heart health seems to be suffering for that. So I think that's what we have to do is recognize like when we want to prepare for mm -hmm. the future, like I want to be healthy enough to live <laughs> a good life, you know, through my 80s and 90s. And in order to do that, I, I think, it, you know, at 45, I'll have to do it now. Well, and good health looks different to different people, right? And I yeah. and I think that's one of the things that I really like about Julieta's approach is that she's yep. not taking a everybody must do this. It's really yep. important that everybody does this and eats this and yep. exercises this way. She's no. Mm -hmm. She's really taking this like, cool, what's going on for you? Where can we give some support? Yep. Where do we need less support? And I really love that approach to anything. Because no one is a one-size-fits-all situation. No one's hormones are a one-size-fits-all situation. Right. And I just love the energy that she's bringing to this. It's it's very, I want to say girl power, but I want to be more inclusive than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I like how Bear in our last episode said men plus. So how about girl plus power? I don't know how I feel about that one, actually. Because I, I, right. I feel like it's, sometimes I feel like that could be the same as being like non-white people. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, let's make that a challenge for everybody. Help help me out here and come up with a more inclusive term for girl power. Girl yeah. and them 
It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah. Let us know. 2024. I love that this is a problem we're having in 2024. Right. It's a great problem to have. How can we make old phrases more inclusive? There's always more. And so with that, please let me introduce Julieta Dorante, a menstrual cycle nutritionist on a mission to show you how your menstrual cycle can be the key to accessing the most complete version of yourself. Through hormone healing nutrition, she aims to inspire you to align with the powers of your menstrual cycle and to deepen your connection to self so that you can explore and redefine what it means to live in harmony with your hormones. And I love that. Mm -hmm. And I do actually, I do want to point out that for anyone who does have a menstrual cycle, who does not identify as a woman, this episode is very inclusive Mm -hmm. because we wouldn't have had her on if it wasn't going to be. But this is inclusive for everybody. So yeah, have a listen. Let us know what you think. Enjoy. Hey there, therapist. How you doing? If you're like a lot of people out there, maybe you need a little bit more support than usual. Well, I've got you covered. I'm currently running two groups that I plan to run again in the fall of 2024. So add your name to the wait list to be notified as soon as info is available. First is the Burnt Out Practice Owner Support Group for group therapy practice owners. We'll focus on the emotional component of business ownership while building trust and connection with other practice owners. We'll explore topics such as boundary setting, feeling underappreciated, overwork, and find ways to reconnect with our agency. And you'll also have the support of other practice owners when challenges arise within your business. Next is the Authentic Leaders Group. It's here to help you become the authentic and wholehearted leader you aspire to be. Join me on an eight-month journey of self-discovery and leadership mastery, where you'll enhance your leadership skills and forge meaningful connections with fellow therapists who are committed to their own growth and the betterment of the therapy field. For the Burnt Out Practice Owner waitlist, go to www.headheartbiztherapy.com slash burnt out. Make sure you've got the T and B-U-R-N-T-O-U-T. And next is the Authentic Leaders Group waitlist at www.headheartbiztherapy.com slash authentic dash leaders dash group. Hope to see you soon. Hey, Julieta, welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Hello. Good to be here. Very good, actually. Yeah, you've got sunshine coming in on you, so I'm jealous. (laughs) Although it's not too bad here today. Would you introduce us to yourself? Who are you? What do you do? Absolutely. So, well, my name is Julieta. I call myself a menstrual cycle nutritionist and hormone whisperer. My title is kind of always evolving. Sure. I am officially a registered nutritional therapist, which basically means I use nutrition as a form of therapy for healing. My my focus is hormone health, menstrual cycle support, shifting all the narratives that we have around hormones being a curse, but at the same time, trying to aim for feeling good in our bodies and feeling good about the food we eat. So yeah, if you maybe talk to me in a year's time, I may have a different title, but the kind of foundation of my work is always this. It's really exploring what it means to have a menstrual cycle, what it means to have hormones in this world and challenging all the narratives we've been fed around it, if that kind of makes sense. Yes. I like that just got me so fired up. And it's funny because as you were talking about how your title may change, I'm like, yeah, because we don't have all the facts about hormones. Because why study hormones that affect 50% of the population? And so as you get new information, that may change the way you work. 
and that may change your title. So yeah, I totally understand that. Thank you. Yes. And I think it's, you know, a lot of the, what I'm doing at the moment is really untangling in a way, like all the kind of patriarchy that underlies my training, my thoughts, the way I approach my client work. And, you know, nutrition has a lot of that going on in it. And I don't want to be a part of that anymore, you know, which is why as I untangle it, who I am in my work really, really changes. And it's all about changing that shift, the relationship with my clients, but also how we approach the whole thing. So yeah, I mean, watch this space. Who knows what it'll be in a year's time? Yeah. And it's so, I'm curious how how you see the patriarchy showing up in nutrition. I think there are some obvious ones, but I'm curious what you've seen kind of from the inside. Yeah. Well, I think obviously the first one is if you have a menstrual cycle, you are not meant to feel the same every day, Mm. you know, but the patriarchy is all about feeling the same every day, showing up in the same way to your work, to your life, to your relationships, to your nutrition. And we have, you know, it's a very used sort of like metaphor simile, like, you know, the round peg into the square hole. But for anyone with a menstrual cycle, that is what we have spent our lives doing. And the whole of the nutrition world is just dripping with this message of eat consistently, eat the same thing all the time, eat consistently so you can feel the same all the time. And none of that works, which is where I did my big pivot many years ago when I did my degree in nutrition no one once ever mentioned the importance of the menstrual cycle in nutrition. Uh, it was it was a hormone module. Yeah. It's the more I talk to people from different disciplines, and the more people say, Yeah, nobody ever mentioned something that should have been obvious, right? Yeah. You know, because I look back now, I mean, part of my kind of like evolvement or journey was well, evolution rather was. I kept on working with people who would turn up, come to my clinic, and they'd be like, I have horrific PMS. I want to feel the same every day. I want to show up and have energy, blah, blah, blah. And we do all these things. I had all this training. I'd be like, do this, blah, 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 blah. And then they would come back and say, yeah, but actually, I still feel a bit funny in the week before my period. I still mm. feel tired. And I'd be like, oh, that classic patriarchy well, I must be the problem. What's wrong with me? You know, not not what's wrong with the world around us, but I'm the problem. And I honestly used to feel like a failure because I couldn't get these people to feel the same every day. And I'd be like, what am I doing wrong? Mm. Going deeper into research. And there was nothing there. So that was a real, real point for me when, thank Goodness, eventually the cyclical living message dropped. Finally, the work was coming out. I don't know if you've heard about the Red School. They wrote a sort of like a seminal book called Wild Power, which was about the four phases of the cycle, likening it to the seasons, the outer seasons and the inner seasons. Mm. There was another book called Woman Code by Alisa Vitti that was for the first time saying we should eat differently at different weeks of the month. And I was like, (gasps) and that's for me when it really, really all dropped and changed. And that's when I really, I was getting results. And I put that in inverted commas, right? Because I'm not very happy with that word anyway. But my clients were coming back and saying, oh, finally, (laughs) you know, like I've got this permission slip to eat differently. I've got this permission slip to sleep more. I've got this permission slip to not go to the gym. And so that's where I think that's that first layer of patriarchy was being challenged, you know, finally, because it wasn't that nutrition, like 
wake up, do the same every day, go to bed the same time, blah, 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 blah. It was really shifting. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, so if any of our listeners have heard the episode with Shay, we talk a lot about hormones and the way that that we support the menstrual cycle. And specifically, we talk about my journey with this a little bit. And I don't think that until you just said it, I actually felt like, and this is after years of working with hormones and having gone through all the bullshit of everything, it never even occurred to me that even with all of the regulating I'm doing, that I will still feel different on different days. I think mm. until you just said that right now, I was still aiming for sameness. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. part of me, I actually feel so liberated by hearing you say that because part of me was like, man, I'm taking all these, you know, this herbal medication and I really believe in it, but I'm still not feeling the same every day. So first of all, thank you for that. <laughs> like, I feel so elevated right now hearing you say that and how powerful. And then my kind of second thought hearing that is just how we are not set up as a society for people who have a menstrual cycle to succeed and to feel different and to have to treat themselves differently on different parts of their cycle. We're not. We're just not. And this is, you know, I think we've got a lot of work ahead of us, but I think it starts with those little moments inside of us, like the moment you've just had, which by the way has like, yeah, really <laughs> like made me, made my heart sing. Yeah. And what I really want to do is like have like a big disclaimer and a, like a moment of real honesty and vulnerability here because I do this work every day and I still find myself going, oh, what's wrong with me? Oh, why did I feel like this today? I'm doing all of these things. Exactly what you've said. You know, I am now in, in perimenopause and that's a whole other journey and a whole other set of challenges. And these stories of like, oh, I'm taking 10 supplements. I'm doing yoga every morning. I'm meditating. And yet yesterday, I still wanted to punch everyone in the face <laughs> or actually, so real. you know, or actually my period, my period was really heavy. This conditioning is so, 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 so deep. It's cellular mm. level. It's DNA level. So I think just recognizing that it's moment to moment, it's day to day, it creeps in when you're least expecting it is really, really important. But I think the work starts there with this little bit of awareness and then just noticing how society, you know, the more you open your eyes to it, the more you're like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I hope I can swear on here, Yo, but you're you just can. like, ah. yeah, yeah, the more people I hear talking about hormones for people who are estrogen dominant, the more I feel like, holy shit, yeah, like, this makes sense. And, and this idea of still wanting to punch people in the face sometimes is like, it's too real. My therapist, in her infinite wisdom, calls these emotions hormone-assisted emotions. Mm. And I love this idea of, like, when our defenses are down, right? When I am really tired, when, you know, my body can't give the same amount of energy and whatever, that some of these emotions, usually anger and sadness, are going to creep out in random places, maybe where they're not actually targeted at. But the sort of theory, I suppose, behind that is these are things that I've been pushing down and my defenses aren't there at the moment. And maybe I need to lean into that and let it out. Maybe not punch someone in the face, but like, <laughs> so I've started when I'm having these heavy emotions around that more vulnerable part of my cycle going, 
all right, well, if I'm angry this week, it means that I need to be looking at how much anger I'm holding in. Yeah, I love that. And really, the the little thing I want to offer here is, you know, I'm really fascinated with this kind of intersection of hormones, how they affect brain chemistry, neurotransmitters, Mm, how that mm -hmm. manifests in our bodies, and then how that translates into into real life. So, you know, what you said, like about, you know, estrogen dominance, that, you know, for anybody who may not have come across this, this is when basically we have way, way too much estrogen in our bodies in comparison to other hormones, especially progesterone. Mm. Estrogen and progesterone are a bit yin and yangy. They balance each other out. Very, very common in this world because the whole of our environment is pushing us to have estrogen dominance. But Mm. what I find fascinating is estrogen is a people-pleasing hormone. Mm. So, you know, it makes us say, we all know those points. We're like, yes, 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 yes. I will do anything. I want to be loved. I am loved. You know, all of this. And and you find yourself, like all of a sudden you crash land into another part of your menstrual cycle and you're just like, why did I say yes? Mm. I don't know if I feel like that about that person. I don't know if I feel like that about my work, Mm -hmm. you know, and it really offers you this kind of like very, very different viewpoint Mm. but it can it can be fascinating because it gives I think like you say you know it allows you to access different emotions different viewpoints and it really does allow you to kind of what's I suppose it's like not trim your life but almost like just kind of mm, like tend to different parts of a garden in your life or something do you know what I mean yeah totally yeah and, and you can have different perspectives on it you know i always i am a big believer that pms holds a lot of wisdom a lot of truth you know like i work with clients who come and say oh you know i'm i'm just fed up with my partner you know i had a real go because they didn't do the dishes blah blah, blah. and then i'm like okay well let's hold that and let's just see if it comes up again and again and again because if it does it could be that once that estrogen has dropped at that point in the cycle this other truth is coming up for you. But during your estrogen peaks, mm. you'll be like, oh, it's mm. fine. I'll just mm-hmm. do them. I'll do the dishes. And then when that's gone, you're like, I don't want to do the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> it's-, <laughs> it's always the dishes, isn't it? It's like I have a friend who's a couples counselor and she says the, the most argued about thing is dishes. Amazing. It's so yeah. interesting. <laughs> but there's something about When I said estrogen dominant, I meant it trying to be inclusive for non-binary and trans people who also have estrogen in their system as the sort of dominant hormone. But so I just want to separate estrogen dominant as like a population from estrogen dominant as people like someone like me who has more estrogen than the average cis woman, maybe. Does that? Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Because both of those things exist. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah, as as terms. Absolutely. Yes. And it's interesting because as we're talking I'm thinking like actually not once did my therapy training bring up hormones. We didn't talk <laughs> about it at all. And I through my own sort of research and work now make it a point to ask people where they are in their cycle if they're in perimenopause, if they how like if they're in menopause like how have these transitions been for you? Are you on HRT? Like what's going on with your hormones that you know about? And some clients get, they're like, I hate blaming things on PMS. Like I don't like when people blame things on my period. And I'm like, I get that. But there's really important information in here that I don't want to ignore. And and I like what you said about 
well, let's see if this comes up again next cycle or, you know, let's see how this shifts as your cycle changes. Because I do something very similar, like, okay, you said this last time you were about to start your period. You had this intensity. And that's not saying it's a throwaway thing. It's saying something in you is trying to give you a message. How can Mm. we listen to it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the message? I sometimes sort of work with my clients in a way that I'm like, okay, why don't we create this list in our journal or diary or somewhere? You know, I work very much with like this kind of concept of the inner seasons with a menstrual cycle, whereby winter is menstruation, spring is pre-ovulation, ovulation is summer, and then autumn is that you know, like descent into menstruation again. Mm. And I call it the inner autumn list, you know, put that list Mm. down. And when there's that anger or when there's that moment, that moment when you just flip, make a note, you know, journal, and then go back to it and see what the patterns are, see what comes up for you all the time, because there is truth there. Mm. You know, sometimes it's just a one-off moment and that's also okay. But I honestly believe that you know, the menstrual cycle can be like an amazing teacher and life coach, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) we can learn so much if we just pay attention and, and, and lean in and get curious and ask the questions instead of the classic, let's just push it all down. Let's Mm -hmm. just ignore it all. Let's just, what's wrong with me? I need to feel better. Why am I not, you Mm -hmm. know, being so, why am I not people pleasing? (laughs) Yeah. I think there's, Again, the word liberation comes to mind as you're Mm. saying all of that. It's a liberation from the patriarchy of having to be the same every day. And I think it was Dr. Mindy Pels who said something about, you know, once we free ourselves from this idea of having to be the same every day, we get to celebrate because the system is set up for men, for, you know, cis het men. Everything is set up for that. And once we realize how much power we have through not having to be the same every day and different ways of connecting with ourselves every day, it actually starts to feel like a blessing, these hormonal shifts. Yes. And a funny story on my side is as I've gone deeper into this work, you know, I will be like in a situation with my husband and he'll be getting really frustrated. Say, say he hasn't slept well or say he's kind of had a bit of a bad day. I can see Mm, him. He's like mm -hmm. pushing, pushing, pushing. And I'm like, whoa, come and join me. Look, I know what we do here. (laughs) (laughs) We just sit back. We just chill. We do this. We do that, you know. And he's just like, oh, how do you do this so easily? I'm like, years of practice, believe me, you know, but it's, it's, and it's, you're so right. It's so liberating because you're like, I know what I do here. Mm. This is what I love doing here. This is what brings me power at this point. Mm-hmm. And it's been fascinating to watch it, not just with other like friends as well, who have just been like, go, 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 you know, like, I'm mm. like, no, this is what we do here. We just chill out <laughs> or we release the guilt. This is how does it feel? feels Ooh, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> Love that. You mentioned perimenopause and I feel like this is Now, I'm particularly interested, so selfishly, I'm going to ask you some questions about this, because I'm 36 and I can see it coming, like not Mm. in myself, but I know age-wise, I'm not far off, right? And I also feel like there's so much confusion around what that means and how that affects people. And I'm curious if you can give us a little bit about that and maybe also share some of your experiences with it. Mm, Absolutely. So... I think the first thing I would say about perimenopause is just 
trying to put aside all these medical definitions of perimenopause, they drive me insane because then they're so mm. reductionist that you go mm -hmm. on Google and you're like, oh, but I don't have hot flushes, so I mustn't be in perimenopause. Mm -hmm. You know what? Just trust your instincts. You know, I love what you've said that you're not feeling it, but you can see it coming. There's an awareness. And really, it's about just tapping into how you're feeling. What are the shifts that you're feeling? What I see in my practice is around the age of 35, hormones start changing. That is what I believe is the beginnings of the perimenopausal journey. And it's a journey, you know, it's a long, 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 long path. I think there's a lot of fear around the word. Everybody's mm -hmm. like, you know, and mm -hmm. that was that's certainly my experience. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. oh. you know, and I'm part of the work I'm doing now is like really trying to own this like perimenopause title, mm -hmm. you know, claim it for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I see and what I experienced in myself around 35 things changed. Primarily moods start changing. And this might, might interest you in your therapy work with your clients because what you see is progesterone, the hormone The, the hormone that we produce after ovulation, that starts to drop because we don't ovulate as regularly. You need to really ovulate for progesterone to be produced in the second half of the cycle. Mm -hmm. And progesterone is that really lovely like blanket that you wrap yourself in. You know, it's quite a calming one for the, anybody who is interested in the, the neurotransmitter link. It really helps the production of GABA. And GABA is one of our most calming neurotransmitters. You know, GABA is what it gets released with those first sips of wine. You know, we know that feeling well. You know, I think of progesterone as a big, big, massive hug. So think about it. Oh, that's it. such a good, like, it's such a good way of... It is. I love that. It is. It's a big, big hug. And if you think about it, if that's not being produced in this at the same levels anymore, what it means is that we have probably still quite a bit of estrogen coursing around our systems, but it doesn't have the progesterone to come along and hug us and calm us down. So... That's what I see is like moods start becoming a little bit more sort of like challenging to navigate. Irritability really starts rising. There's this sense that we just can't quite calm ourselves down. That's, that's for me what I see the most of in mid-30s. So it tends to be like these mood shifts, mm. sometimes other things. And then it's just like so many people say to me, I just don't feel like myself anymore. And this for me is fascinating because I'm just like, wow. Who are we and who are our hormones? You know, <laughs> I mean, that's probably a conversation for a whole other yeah, day. But <laughs> that's, a, that's a conversation in and of itself. <laughs> but, but there's this sense of, you know, I just don't feel like I used to. You know, something has shifted. And that's, that's really what I think is the beginning of the perimenopausal journey. And like I say, my, my main thing is don't get too bogged down with official definitions, medical, all of this. Just Are you feeling a shift? How are you feeling in yourself? What's happening for you? That was certainly my experience. Really, really a few years of very, very intense mood issues. Really, really, really difficult to navigate. You know, really questioning who I was, my life purpose, everything. But only at certain points of the cycle, which is why I got into the cyclical work quite late because unfortunately mm -hmm. no one was ever really talking about it. So I, I started working with my cycle at this point, which was really, really helpful. But mm -hmm. <laughs> also, you know, there was a lot of work to be done. Yeah. That's where that started with me. I suppose, I mean, I'm 46 now. I mean, I've been, I would say I've been in perimenopause for 10 years on and off in a very okay. sort of like gentle way at some points and then peaking at other points very intensely. And It's opened lots of doors in many ways. Like it's mm. really allowed me to explore parts of myself. I was 
always afraid to go down or to even acknowledge. It's really invited me to start thinking about how I feel about aging, about myself aging, mm -hmm. about what that means. It's got me very angry around the way we talk about this life stage in general. And this, again, there's the old patriarchy creeping in. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody wants a wizened, old, infertile sort of like... <laughs> You know, it's like it's such a terrible, sad description of like this is yeah. and we all like it is funny because like I feel like a lot of us have imagined that like what what is my old wrinkly like <laughs> barren self like, you know, there's there's something about this like inevitability is not the word, but this feeling of like this is always looming the spinster trope, right? Yeah. Like there's something yeah. like that I think is always Maybe this is just a personal experience, but like, but what if I am a spinster and like, what, you know, like, what if I do become like the, the, the wicked stepmother in Snow White is what just oh, popped yeah. into my head. Like that, you know, with her hood and the, yeah. but that's terrible. Yeah. Like who created those images? Mm -hmm. A bunch of dudes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you know, this is, I'm very thankful that we are really challenging these sort of narratives and stories now. And, you know, when people say to me, oh, I'm a bit sick of hearing about perimenopause and menopause, I'm like, you haven't heard enough. We have to carry on yeah. talking about this. Yeah. I understand that a lot of this is being monetized and it's, it's also really preying on, on people's fears, but we have to carry on talking about this. Mm -hmm. We have to redefine what this life stage means. We have to really really think about who we want to be, you know, as we age and what that means. And it's huge in the same way that like sitting in the shitty PMS teaches you so much about who you are. Mm -hmm. Perimenopause and menopause can be huge, huge, huge transformational life shifts. I'm not saying that you, you know, you feel amazing all the time or anything, but you go to these depths and you challenge so many stories and really, really deep, deep, deep ones, again, that we have inside of us, you mm. know, like you say, like, you know, I look in the mirror sometimes and I'll see a wrinkle. And my first thought, which is obviously my conditioned thought is always like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm getting so old. Oh, should I, should I get Botox? Oh, I don't know. You know, like all of this. Mm -hmm. And then the next thought, I'm like, no, <laughs> like <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have the exact, the exact same process where I like, I see I see them start coming in and I think the ones around my eyes are quite cute, but the ones in the middle of my forehead, I look at those and I'm like, no, it's age. And then like five minutes later, I'm like, no, fuck everyone who's ever told me that I can't have wrinkles. And like, and I vacillate back and forth between that so much and no shade to anyone who has chosen Botox. Like, you know, people make the choices that feel best for them. And I fully support either side of that, to be honest. Yes. Yes, I think for me, it's like getting curious where that thought is coming from, which is why yeah. I end up getting very angry because I'm just like, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> we shouldn't even have to be having these internal battles, but this is where we are. <laughs> like, this is what society has done to us. So tell me a little bit about how you see nutrition supporting all of the things that we've talked about. Mm. Yeah, you know, I think nutrition really has a very kind of big role to play in in supporting hormone health because you know we've talked about the PMS and the anger and everything but we also want to achieve optimal health in the sense of we want to achieve a certain balance that feels good to us you know because mm -hmm. of course the feeling the same every day isn't going to work but equally you know if you have symptoms that are really impacting your quality of life 
and you're being potentially gaslit by a doctor or anyone that you've reached out to, mm-hmm. nutrition can really offer that support. And this is like a really fine line because going back to what we were saying at the beginning about the patriarchy, I think the patriarchy implies that if you do all of the things, it's all on you and you have total control on everything. I don't yep. believe that. Yes. You know, like I just don't. I think understanding that nutrition is part of this huge sort of like resources that we can access to just make us feel a little bit more comfortable in our bodies, in our lives. I think that's where nutrition comes in. And there's lots of things we can do to support ourselves. And, you know, I'm really at the moment really, really feeling into this idea that nutritional advice and support is accessible only to those who can afford it. And only to, you know, and it's a really big, big issue because I talk to people every day who are disillusioned with the options they're given when they go to see a doctor, you know, or they just don't feel that there's any support anywhere. But accessing this kind of advice isn't always accessible to many, many people, right? So it's like, where mm-hmm. where can we fit mm-hmm. in this nutrition? Where can we offer this support so that everyone who needs it can access it? Equally, I feel very strongly about the fact that nutrition, you know, that I think there's this belief that eating in a way that supports your hormones and your health is expensive and it's only for the middle classes and everything else. Mm -hmm. That also has to be explored. There's a lot of stuff going on in there. Mm -hmm. But I think just really helping people understand just how eating in, and it's not complicated, that's a thing. That's another classic Mm. patriarchal message, right? Like, oh, it's very difficult. You need to, I know it might sound a bit strange coming from somebody who kind of classifies herself as a hormone nutrition expert yeah. but it's it's not actually complicated and it's not actually that hard and it doesn't cost that much money these are all really important messages to get out there it's about helping people understand the basics the things that can just really really support us and just really really simple shifts can make the world of difference and i think once we start showing up for ourselves in that way even just doing that like for example just having a breakfast that supports you that doesn't you know like a really, really simple breakfast. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Eating breakfast, even just eating a breakfast, you know, mm, huge, huge shifts mm-hmm. can take place. So I feel that nutrition offers, yeah, it is a, a beautiful tool to work with. But I feel I feel the whole nutrition industry is, is, is at the moment in this funny kind of in-between phase where, you know, some people are wanting to make it more accessible. Some people are wanting to break it down. Some people are wanting to demystify it. And then there's people saying, no, I have all the answers. And it's a very complicated 12-month program with this, 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 and this involved on blah, 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 you Ooh. know? Yeah. So it's funny because I think what kind of naturally pops into my head when I think of like a nutrition plan is like, I'm going to be measuring out seven almonds and like measuring out how many ounces of this goes into this. and and so i'm i'm curious how maybe some small shifts that you can say to give to our listeners today that might be really easy in air quotes just because you know easy is is a different term for everybody but something small and tangible that mm. might be useful mm. to our listeners as an example of like you don't have to count out seven almonds and the yeah before i tell you my my little tip i never ever follow a recipe i look at them and i'm like ugh I don't like the idea no. of measuring it like that. I just throw it all in and that's it. So yep. I'm, I'm all here cheerleading the people who don't count things out. Yes. No, no I'm like, us. recipes are guidelines, similar to speed limits. <laughs> it's all guidelines. Exactly. It's just like a guideline. It's like roughly put that in. Absolutely. 
you know, I think something that we can all think about more is mm, getting more protein in. Like, and what does that mean? Okay. Like, and why? So what I would say is we need protein to make hormones and neurotransmitters. And when we don't have enough protein, what happens is the body always prioritizes the production of stress hormones like cortisol, adrenaline, noradrenaline, etc., because they keep us alive. So if we're particularly stressed or if there's a lot of demand on our protein needs, everything goes to make the stress hormones and everything else. So thyroid hormone, estrogen, progesterone, eh, testosterone, all of it just, it's a bit like body's like, Meh, leave that for later. So, mm, you know, like mm-hmm. this is why feeding ourselves with good amounts of protein is, is probably my number one thing for hormone mm-hmm. health. Mm-hmm. It also balances blood sugar, which is really wonderful for mood stabilization and just, you know, keeping anxiety like at bay, those kind of things. What does that look like? Let's come up with some really easy tips. You know, we're talking about if you do eat animal protein, we're talking about eggs, fish, meat, chicken, If you want to get adventurous, go for things like liver, you know, good quality where you can with animal protein, if you can. Always the best that you can sort of manage, basically. Then we've got chickpeas, lentils, all the beans, tofu, nuts and seeds are okay sources of protein. You know, like you can always go and like Google yourself a list of protein and just like Mm -hmm. before you eat, just look at your plate and be like, okay, is there any protein here? (laughs) You know, because really that alone is a huge, huge way to support our hormones. I think protein was demonized for many years. There was this myth that protein led to muscle bulking and that wasn't desirable for many of us. And then there was there is the argument about, you know, this kind of like plant-based versus meat world. And I think we should all join forces and be like, we actually just demand a sustainable farming system that isn't killing the earth. (laughs) Yeah, that's so true. Because I'm a vegetarian. I don't care how other people eat, right? It Mm. actually makes no difference to me if you eat meat or you're a vegan. Who cares? I think we can all agree that our farming systems are a bit fucked. And that's capitalism. That's exploitation of workers. There's Mm. so much that goes into that. But can we not all agree that, like, we just want better ways of accessing cleaner food, regardless of what that food is? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it really, like, sometimes it saddens me when there's this debate going on, like, the vegans would be like, no, but growing, like, crops for, like, vegans is much better for the environment and blah, blah, blah. And then the meat eaters are like, no, because, and you're like, this is, oh, no, 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 what we need to be doing. You're mad at the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. Why are we mad at each other? We need to be mad at the the complex that's doing yeah. this, the, the industry that's behind this, this is what we have to be doing. doesn't matter whether you eat a cow or a soya bean. It does not matter. <laughs> yeah. So more protein. It's funny because you, when you talked about the bulking up, I spoke with a movement coach on the podcast named Olive. And Olive, I think it was Olive who said something along the lines of, do you know how hard people like Arnold Schwarzenegger have to work out to get that kind of bulk? You doing a couple extra reps in the gym and drinking more protein powder or eating more beans is not going to turn you into that. And it was funny because when Olive said that, it was the first time I went, oh, fuck. Yeah, that's correct. (laughs) Like, So it is. I mean, yeah, more protein. What a what a great tip that can be cheap. Right. Beans are really cheap. Different sources of meat protein can be inexpensive, like accessible to, to anyone across any lifestyle or diet or. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Just even like bringing awareness, like I said, just going, hmm, where's the protein here? Ah, oh, okay. 
there isn't any or there's very little. That is, is just like such a massive shift in supporting our hormone health. Yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't even connected it with this idea that if we're not having enough protein, that we're going to start producing more stress hormones first. And like for someone like me who is, uh, you know, recovering from a lifetime of chronic stress, what an important message for me to hear that if I am putting better amounts of protein in my body, it can support me or support my my system and not prioritizing stress. <laughs> yes. Like how sad actually. <laughs> I mean, I understand from a survival mechanism why that's prioritized, but not helpful in 2023 when I'm not running from a tiger every day. Yeah. 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 But I think also, you know, I think we're always a bit sick of this message. I have lots of thoughts on this, the messaging around stress and manage your stress and blah, 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 you know. And I, what I love about this nutrition message is feed your body what it needs. You know, there are some times when chronic stress is inevitable. Things happen that are totally out of our control. But the one thing we can control is eating a little bit more protein or we can at least focus on, you know. And I love that it takes away this, again, it's that patriarchal message of, oh, it's your fault because you are stressed. Yeah, okay, I'm stressed. <laughs> you know, how can I not mm -hmm. be stressed in this world? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but it's like, oh, I know what I can do to support myself. I can eat a bit of protein. And you take your power back when you do that. Yeah, and there's, oh, I love that. And there's something about this idea of eating for yourself. You know, what does your body need? Asking yourself that first, because I'm a big advocate of, you know, health at any size and, and body positivity. And it's not eating for the goal of appearance. It's eating for the goal of nourishing and supporting mm. whatever that looks like. And, and, it, and every individual's hormones will be different. Every individual's body will be different. And, and supporting that on a more individual level is, I think, so key. And it sounds like what you're saying really allows people to be individuals rather than to just be another person who has a menstrual cycle or, you know, to fit everybody in a box. Yes, yes. That is ultimately what working with hormones is about, you know, individuality, listening, respecting, honoring, all of those things and moving away from all this, this like, you know, one size fits all absolute bollocks messaging. Yeah. And so how do you feel about the term healer as applied to what you're doing? Hmm. Yeah, this is a good question. And I was obviously been mulling it over a little bit. <laughs> mm, but I have I didn't take it very far, to be honest with you, because I wanted to see what came through when I spoke to you. But yeah, the first thing is, interestingly, I am not allowed to call myself a healer professionally by my professional body. Okay. I can't use the word heal and I can't use the word treat. Oh, interesting. Not okay. allowed to use those words. There's a lot of stuff around legislation and trying to find who we are as nutritional therapists in this world. And we've just got to be very careful with our words. Sure. It doesn't mean I respect it, in all honesty, yeah, like, no, in enough. that way. <laughs> and it doesn't mean I don't call myself that, actually, because it really pisses me off that I can't mm -hmm. do these things. So, you know, I feel, yes, I feel that there is, it is a healing relationship that I enter with, with anyone who comes into my space. Mm -hmm. What that looks like is very different for everyone. I think it's more like, I just like to facilitate a space where people can just explore what it means to have hormones, to be hormonal, how to support themselves. You know, sometimes the healing comes from helping them to challenge, you know, going back to the old patriarchy, mm -hmm. you know, why do you want these goals? Why yeah. do you want to feel like this? And, you know, I think, 
my sort of life as a healer has really evolved a lot as well. Going back to what I was saying, being about my, my title, it changes mm-hmm. a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. For me, the way I see the healing is there's an educational aspect. So I will teach you everything I know, you know, if that's useful. Uh, I'll give you the mm-hmm. biochemistry. I'll give you the science if that helps, you know, if you want to know that. But but equally, I will allow space for you to develop your intuition with your body, with what you need, yeah. with forgiving yourself, you know. And, and And I think that's really... That's maybe what it feels to me and looks to me just now. Um, yeah, I think so. I love that. And so just as an extension of that, what do you feel about the term wounded healer? Yeah, I think my journey when I look back at what I've been doing, you know, mm-hmm. like has all, there's been so many points where I have had these big aha moments because I have been so wounded by mm. the patriarchy, by conditioned thinking, thoughts by school, by, you know, other like mm-hmm. academic institutions. <laughs> like it's yeah. just peppered with it all. And but I feel that those moments have been the moments that have taught me the most and have, you know, that they're what lead to my growth and my development. And I know that there's still, you know, the big ones that are coming up, the perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause, all of these are gonna, there's gonna be wounding there. There's gonna be deep, deep, deep work mm. required. So yeah, I feel uh, bring it on. <laughs> like, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, I love this. And I think I think there's a certain amount of mourning that I've experienced in the past few years over the years that I've had my period that I had no idea what the fuck was going on. Mm. And at the information that wasn't accessible to me, at the support that wasn't accessible to me. And it really is only in the last three years that I've had a regular menstrual cycle for the first time in my life. And there's, I think for me, a lot of mourning that goes with that. And also part of me is like, oh, I'm sad I'm about to hit perimenopause because I've only just started to figure this out. And so when I hear you say like, bring it on, I'm like, just because this part may be wrapping up and just because Mm -hmm. I can't reclaim any of those sort of lost years doesn't mean that that's how I have to continue through the rest of the years that I'm, you know, pre-perimenopause. I don't know. It's like, like peri-perimenopause. <laughs> but what I hear in that is like, cool, probably all of us grew up with some not great histories of this, but it doesn't mean that that's what our future has to be. And I love that. Hmm. I mean, I really, I, I, I've had experienced so much grief about around this. You mm-hmm. know, I came into like understanding about cyclical living like at 38, 39, you know, Mm -hmm. and then it was like, I was already in perimenopause and it was like, oh, (laughs) and every birthday I always, always reflect and I'm like, you know, is this going to be the last year that I have periods? You know, is this going to be my last year of cycling? And I allow myself to feel the grief and and to move through it all Mm -hmm. and be saddened. But then I'm like, right, let's channel the grief and the rage and mm. everything else into the next phase and, and how I want to, how I want to be because I have an awareness now that I just didn't have 10 years ago. So yeah. how do I want this next bit to be? And I can still be cyclical. There are other ways of being cyclical. And I have really, really started to feel so much more connected to the outer seasons, to the mm-hmm. lunar cycles, mm-hmm. to my daily cycle. You know, there's so many other cycles. And that's what my menstrual cycle work has brought me, you know, so there's sadness that that will end. But, 
you know, like I'm so deeply affected by the moon now. It's insane. <laughs> like mm. I'm just I'm always like, I can, ah, I can hear my co-host's ears pricking up the moment you say that, even though she's she won't listen to this <laughs> until later. But I, I already know Sarah's gonna go lunar cycles. Yeah, she's she's gonna love that. Amazing. Yeah, there's something I love this, like finding cycles and and sometimes, do you know? I actually kind of feel sorry for men that they don't have this natural way of self-reflecting and looking at their cis-het men, sorry, that they don't have this natural way of gaining insight into themselves. Because now that I've come to embrace it, I'm like, oh, this is actually fine. Mm-hmm. It's cool. I mm-hmm. love this. And like, mm-hmm. what a great tool to to explore myself. And like, kind of sucks that you guys don't get this prompt to do it and i say that with a bit of kind of like how sorry for you do i feel i don't know but like but i do feel (laughs) i do feel a little bit of like this would be great if if you got this kind of prompt and also give you a lot more empathy for everybody else but you know yeah yeah so where can people find you and follow you so as you continue on this journey everyone can learn from your experiences and your growing wisdom So I am on Instagram mainly. I am at hormones underscore in underscore harmony. You know, please DM me if you've got questions. I'm really sort of like passionate about always being able to signpost and put you in the right direction. It doesn't mean about working with me. That would be amazing and wonderful. But, you know, I kind of see my role sometimes as kind of like a a policewoman, like going, go here, go here, do this, do that. (laughs) So please follow, please reach out if you have any questions. Um, You can always drop me an email. My website is hormonesinharmony.co.uk. I'm the co-host of the Femme Powered Podcast, where we do a lot of conversations around cyclical living, menstruality, using the menstrual cycle as a compass and a guide for our lives. Cool. So yeah, that's, that's everywhere you can find me. Yeah. I love it. And I followed you on Instagram for quite a while, and it is so cathartic some of the things that you post about, here's what I'm feeling today. Here's what's going on in my cycle today. And I'm like, oh, yeah, if someone who knows more about hormones than I do feels that, then it's <laughs> then it's okay for me yeah, too. It's so, so true. It is, it is very empowering. Yeah. Thank you. And I feel, can I just quickly say on yeah. that, you know, that's a big, big part of, of what I do is, and I've had that reflected to me by other nutritionists. They're like, yeah. oh, you know, you shared about that. And I'm like, yes, because Again, a good old friend, the patriarchy is yeah. like, oh, a nutritionist must have perfect hormones. What the fuck are perfect hormones? Excuse me. You yeah. know, like, it's yeah. just like, no, we have to challenge that. Yes, yeah. I'm here. I love this work. I'm fascinated by it, but I still have my challenges and that's okay. That yeah. is one of my big, oh, mm, love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and for bringing your energy and your wisdom. And yeah, maybe we'll have you back to have deeper conversations about some of these things because I love it. Thank you. I'm up for the deeper, the better. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) Thanks to our guest for an amazing conversation today. To find out more about today's guest, you can visit www.headheartbiztherapy.com slash podcast. You can find Sarah at at headheartbiztherapy on Facebook and Instagram. And you can find Anne at at spareroomwellness or spareroomwellness.com. Thanks as always to Andrea Clunder and the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for the album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Until next time, bye-bye.